Welcome to another episode of How You Can Too with your host, your boy, Alvy, aka Danny, aka Mr. You Can Too. Have an awesome episode on deck for you all today. Have my dear, dear friend, Muna Abu Talib, in the building. And what we really dive into is her somatic healing work, co regulation, the importance of properly treating and recognizing your inner child, being present, and how to nourish yourself by yourself. It's so awesome to connect with Mona in this way because when I look at her and her journey, it very much mirrors my own. And for us to meet each other back in 2013, 2014, and see where we were then, and then fast forward to 2020 and see where we are now, it's so cool to see how many commonalities we have in both of our journeys. So I know you're really going to enjoy this show. Please be sure to share it with all of your friends, family, and loved ones. And if you truly enjoy it, be sure to leave a review and a five-star rating. I appreciate you. I honor you. And as always, you can too. Enjoy the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show, everybody. I have a dear friend in the building today, Miss Mona Abutalib, who does somatic healing work and a host of so many other things. And what I love most about Mona is that she is such a authentic, deep, and amazing person. It's so funny that Mona and I go back, I guess, what would it be? Maybe 2013, 2014 or so, somewhere around there? Yeah, gosh. I don't even remember when Blakely's first uh, birthday celebration yeah. started, but yeah. yeah. Shout out to the September Fest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, you know, we, we met, you know, back then, 20, 2013, 2014-ish, and it's been really cool to see where we were then. And how I was telling you earlier how amazing it's been to see both of us really embark on our personal growth journeys, which seems like around the same time. And every time we get together and we speak, I I always get so much for it. And I know that the listeners are going to get so much from our conversation today. Thank you for jumping on the show. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. And I feel exactly the same way. Like every time... It's so interesting. I just loved connecting with you back then when we were like very different people (laughs) (laughs) and to still love and really appreciate the connection now and to gain so much from like the mirroring and the commonalities and the depth that you go into as well just is really nourishing. So thank you so much. Uh, I received that and thank you. And it's so cool because I've been watching your journey i feel like we we reconnected um a lot especially this last year i would say maybe year and a half and i know before you came from the corporate world and now Mm -hmm. you're developing your own practice working with different people i would love to hear how that transition came about and the learning lessons in between oh man okay (laughs) um it's god it's been quite the journey 
Um, yeah, I was working in corporate. I was working at a biotech in the Bay Area. Uh, it was basically the Google of biotechs. And um, I was, you know, for all intents and purposes, climbing the ladder and um, really, you know, really doing well, getting great visibility from C-level people. And, you know, I was... Uh, 27 at the time um so I was I was the youngest person on the team to be involved in like some really serious projects that were changing the organization and um and what happened was I I had moved to the bay a couple of years earlier and I was just feeling like I didn't really have my community there it was so hard um connecting with people there and I think I didn't realize it at the time, but I was given that space of not being so involved in other relationships so that I could connect with myself. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously, I didn't know that was what was happening at the time. And I just felt incredibly lonely. Um, I found myself you know, changing myself, hiding certain parts and or intensifying certain parts so that I could connect with people and I could have relationships out there. Mm. And in the process, I just kind of lost who I was. Um, so this is all, you know, I'm doing so great in my career, but my personal life, this is what's going on. And, um, and I was still you know, drinking, you know, kind of the way that we used to drink, you know, that like kind of like party drinking. Of course. Um, so I was still drinking like that. I was, I was actually a gym rat at this time. I was at the gym six days a week and like was super focused on my calorie intake and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but I just, I just felt so empty. And, you know, I say that now reflecting back, I don't think I had the awareness to even recognize that that's what it was at the time. Mm, right. And um, so I had a couple of trips planned that winter. I was going to Egypt, which is where my family is from. And I hadn't been there in a while. And the last time I was there was um, was I just felt like so myself, wow. you know, and so I was really excited to go back and like be able to reclaim myself. And I ended up going and I cried every single day. I was just wow. so far removed from who I was. Hmm. And um, luckily, a couple of weeks later, I had a trip planned with my friend Faven, who I went to AU with. And we, she was studying abroad in China. We met up in um, Bali. Nice. Yeah. And when we were together, she offered this book to me. It's called The Untethered Soul. Mm. And that just kind of started me on my journey. It basically became my Bible. And I came home from Bali and said, okay, I'm changing. I'm you know, all of these things about my life. I'm going to make sure I don't put any things 
that are toxic into my body anymore. So I decided to stop drinking. Um, I, I was really good about my health. I actually went and, um, gifted myself an Ayurveda, uh, weekend workshop thing. Yeah. So I, I learned about Ayurveda, which helped me to kind of develop, a um, a, a lifestyle. That's basically what Ayurveda is. It's not just food that you eat uh, that support your body, but it's also the kind of movement you're doing when you're doing it, when you're waking up, when you're going to sleep. And um, I started integrating meditation into my life, and that's and that's kind of like where where I was. I was in a pretty good place with all of it. Um, then I got into a relationship, and uh, it was not the healthiest relationship. Mm. And, um, I'm so appreciative for it. <laughs> I, I learned so much in that relationship. I mean, I completely lost myself and, wow. um, you know, basically everything and anything I did was for the relationship or for my mm. partner and not for me. And, um, and I, you know, during this time, I'm like getting deeper into some spiritual things. Um, I'm, I also start working with some plant medicines and experimenting with hallucinogenics, but in a very intentional way. And, um, and that opened up some awarenesses for me. And then, um, one week in October, I should also say that at this time, as I'm like giving all of myself to this relationship, mm-hmm. my relationship with my family was falling apart. Mm. Um, so all of it comes to head one week in October. I didn't realize it, but I was having panic attacks at work. Um, every time I went to campus, which it was a campus because it's so company is so big um but every time I I rolled up on campus I started feeling nauseous and I remember sitting in a meeting and I was just sitting there and I again I didn't know this is what it was at the time but I was started feeling a lot of anxiety and I just my body like just started doing this tapping um you know EFT yeah yeah. Emotional freedom technique, is that what that, it's called? That's it, yes. Yeah, I've heard of that, yep. Yeah, so I didn't know anything about it at the time, but I naturally just started tapping my body. And um, and it really offered a lot of relief. But at, then this one week, you know, I had been having these panic attacks, and then me and my partner broke up and in, like, kind of an explosive way. Mm. And then me and my cousin, who is like my sister, who you know as well, um, she, she, we just had a huge falling out and stopped speaking. Mm. So that all happened in a week and I crumbled. Like I just, yeah, I just crumbled. I was able to go on short-term disability for work, um, but I stayed in my apartment for, I cried 
maybe every day for like two months. Barely ate anything if I could eat. Um, You know, my doctor wanted to put me on depressants, antidepressants. And she said, let me let me prescribe you some antidepressants. It'll help you cope. And my response was, I don't want to cope. I want to heal. And so I was seeing a therapist at the time. And um, before this, I had committed to going to Costa Rica and volunteering on a permaculture farm. And so I went and I did that and um, had some pretty, you know, amazing experiences there. Um, Also sat in ceremony there and then ended up coming back and quitting my job and was like okay so what now oh wow (laughs) yeah so um it was yeah it was just it was a lot of um exploration like I knew after being on the permaculture farm and also for probably a year or so before that that I was really interested in herbs so I was exploring maybe becoming an herbalist and doing herbalism courses then after being on the permaculture farm I was like oh maybe I'll become a um, permaculture design person um, you know I was it was just like all of these different things that I was like oh maybe I'll dip my hand in this or I'll dip my hand in that and um Ultimately, I came to a decision that I wanted to actually create a space that would be like a holistic healing space for Mm -hmm. people. And uh, because I had so many different interests, there wasn't anything that I really wanted to like be an expert in at the time. But I felt like this kind of space was really needed for people that a lot of us are awakening to treating ourselves better to really like tuning into our bodies to eating healing things to engaging in healing activities and there weren't many spaces for it obviously I was in the bay so there's plenty of spaces for it there but um yeah that was my plan and I decided to um I decided to manage an um, uh, an herbal cafe for some time so that I could really learn what it would be like to have a space, a brick-and-mortar space. And as I was doing that, um, again, I didn't know this is what was happening at the time, but as I reflect back, I can see it so clearly. Um, as I was doing that, my body was having a lot of issues like I was I was exhausted I was working so much I was managing a team of 12 people um it was just like I was on call all of the time and I get emotionally attached to people I'm an empath and so when my staff was upset about something I carried a lot of that So, you know, it was the like being on my feet for however many hours a day, carrying the emotional stress, carrying the like physical stress, the mental stress, all of it. And again, my body would just like shut down on me and um, or I would get like really, really sick. I remember one time I got sick to the point where it felt like every single one of my nerves was exposed. Sheesh. 
yeah, it was so painful. And, um, and it was just a sign for my body of like, this isn't working. You need to make some changes. And, um, I started working with a movement practitioner and, um, was having these like moments of exploration around touch. I was pretty involved in the ecstatic dance community in Oakland and yeah, it's the one in Oakland, Alvy is like so hey, good. Hey. Yes. <laughs> check that out. Put it on my list. Please do. When we can <laughs> all like be in spaces together again, it's the like the DJs that they would have. Oh my god, it's amazing. Ready for that. Yes. <laughs> um, but I was really involved in that community, and what they do in ecstatic dance is a lot of contact dance with strangers. And um, I was, that was one of my edges. I was like, I'm not really comfortable with touching someone in what feels like a very intimate way, mm-hmm. even though we're not touching, like, you know intimate parts but it's an intimate way with like a complete stranger and um so I was really I started getting curious about it and then I was working with this movement practitioner and he um he and I had a romantic connection and we had this we did this like practice of exploring through touch and that like really again like blew my mind open and I got so curious and I noticed a lot of my edges through it and I wanted to dive in deeper Hmm. um and so there are all these things happening I decided to move to the east coast and was driving cross country and all of these things along the way kept coming up about touch and then um I'm here in North Carolina and I'm um, doing my work at the time, which was uh, holistic business consulting. And I'm sitting in meditation one day because while I liked the work, it felt like a mix of what I had done of project project planning and strategy planning, as well as working with people who are doing work that I really care about. It wasn't nourishing. It wasn't fulfilling at all. Mm. And I was feeling exhausted. I was dreading my calls with clients. And um, I was sitting in a meditation one day, and these words just kept coming to me. Soul touch, soul touch, soul touch. And I was like, okay. So the next morning, I Googled soul touch. I found this uh, somatic therapy program called Transformative Touch. The class was starting in two weeks. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> I enrolled and yeah, here I am. <laughs> Jeez. That's amazing. I mean, it's that that's an incredible story. And I, I'm feeling really grateful because I'd never heard it sequentially in its entirety like that. It's like, you know, we'd catch up. I hear a part of it. Then we'd like catch up again. And then I'd hear that part of it. And to actually hear how you've went through this journey of being in a place where what I make up is, you know, that quote unquote American dream. It's like you're in this corporate environment, you're climbing the corporate ladder, you're having exposure to the C-level 
executives who are within the corporation mm-hmm. and over t- but and and at the same time your personal life is nowhere near where you wanted it to be or where it gets to be whether it's with personal relationships whether it's like emotional health right things like yeah. that even though you were going to the gym 6 days a week and most people think like hey like I'm super healthy I go to the gym 6 days a week mm-hmm. yet over time especially once you got back to Egypt you realize like what am I doing like this 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 isn't it it's like you you go back to this place that's home for you and you have all of these feelings of like what is it that I'm doing and you meet up with your friend she puts you on the book untethered soul and then from there it's like okay the journey's begun <laughs> whether you realized <laughs> it in the moment or not yeah and, and it's just so interesting it's like you, you go to these places you come back to work you know you, you get to Costa Rica and you work on the permaculture farm and you see how that really fills your cup. You see what that's all about. And eventually, you know, you go back and you realize you're having all these types of these physical ailments, right? Like mm-hmm. all these somatic feelings that things aren't going the way that, that they're supposed to. And you can't quite put your finger on it because it's not something that you were taught. It's not something that I think any of us are taught growing up with that type of stress, depression, anxiety, all of that feels like. Mm -hmm. And then to have, you know, to to have a doctor want to put you on antidepressants. It's, you know, another example of Western medicine doing Western medicine type of things, which uh, I would say doesn't work for everybody if I'm putting it lightly. (laughs) (laughs) And, and it's just so fascinating that, even when you start to explore yourself, right? You start to peel back the layers and you're like, okay, I'm into the herbs, may want to be an herbalist, jump into the herbal cafe. And then it's like, okay, that's kind of somewhere in the arena of the type of work I may be interested in. Yet the day-to-day task of managing 12 people, feeling all of their emotions, having to constantly be on call, it's that same type of anxiety mm-hmm. coming up. Yeah. And then you fast forward and then you get to North Carolina and you're you're doing, you know, your own consulting business, working with holistic companies that are doing things that you find valuable and, and necessary and needed. Mm-hmm. Yet over time you realize like, hey, this isn't it either. Mm-hmm. And slowly but surely, you know, sitting with yourself, being in meditation coming across just soul tap just jumping into your your mind body spirit over and over again you look up and then boom two weeks later we have this class going on you jump into it and it 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 makes me laugh a couple for a couple different reasons Mm. one it's like man the the journey (laughs) is always so nuanced and profound always it's like you know i look at myself and we're roughly the same age i'm i'm 31 gonna be 32 next month and i look at my journey from like 27 or maybe a little less say like 25 until now Mm -hmm. and it's seven years but it feels like 70 because all the ups and the downs and thinking that i understand exactly what it is i want to do and then i start doing that thing but then 
I still feel like something's missing. Yet mm-hmm. now the beat up stick comes out like, what do you mean? Da da da. And you know, I think it just goes to show for for you, for myself, for many others, and I would imagine for many people listening, that the journey builds so much character and it teaches us so many lessons Mm -hmm. and being able to stay open and be fluid with everything that life brings and really experiencing it which i know is something that you're a huge proponent of right like experiencing your experiences yes that really opens up the door in my opinion to let us continually evolve into our best self Because to me, it is a constant evolution. Absolutely. Well, I'm looking at each one of those experiences, even the hard ones, as opportunities. Mm. You know, my uh, I was talking to someone earlier today and and they were saying, you know, the times that I've been hurt or have hurt. And I said, I don't really see it as that. I see it as an opportunity to learn something about myself, you Mm. know, If I'm hurting, if there's something that's painful, okay, what? that's an opportunity for me. It's an invitation for me to explore what about it is hurting me so much, what is so painful, and then I can actually work with it, you know? Absolutely. I love what you say there and framing it as an invitation because to me when something like that happens, Typically, it's like one of our core values is being challenged or not even met in any type of capacity. Mm -hmm. And if we can realize that we can bring it back to our values and like what isn't working right there, then there comes choice and and we can actually go in and like you said, learn from it and move forward in a way that's effective. Absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. So. I know now you're in this space where you are one of the things that you're doing is is somatic therapy and somatic healing work Mm -hmm. with people. Mm -hmm. And in my estimation, that's something that's heavily needed, yet not many people know much about it. How would you describe that type of work? Um, I would say that somatic therapy is body-led therapy. You know, when you go and sit down with a therapist, you're talking about your emotions, things that are on your mind and stuff. When you go and see a somatic therapist, we drop into your body and see what your body has to say because it's really interesting. Um, our, Our bodies are very wise and they hold all of our lived experiences. But they also don't have a negativity bias like our minds. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. Go deep. So they, you know, are, there's a lot of science around this, but our minds have a bias towards the negative. And it, and it has to do with, um, with our brains when, you know, when we were evolving, going way back, was we basically had to, we had to, be cautious of everything around us because it could potentially threaten our lives. And so we were always looking out for something that could hurt us or kill us or something. 
For sure. It's all about survival. Exactly. And so that's where the negativity bias comes from. And that's why it's so strong is because it's been with us since we as humans evolved. Mm. And um, our bodies, they don't have that negativity bias. They, they're actually really compassionate. And it's so interesting when I'm working with clients and I can tell when they're in their bodies and when their mind has come to play mm. because their bodies usually say something to them that is like very tender. And my clients are in complete shock and just maybe start laughing, you know, that their bodies have something so nice to say to themselves. And mm. they'll oftentimes like judge it you know, and I'm like, oh, okay, the mind's coming in here. Let's, let's figure out how we can bring you back into the body and come a little deeper into your body. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, yeah, they, our bodies just, they just know everything. And I mean, like I told you in my life, so much had that I didn't know was going on manifested through my body. I didn't know that I was stressed out, that I, that this, life path that I was on of the corporate world wasn't working for me. I mean, to a degree I knew because the values were so far from what my personal values were. Mm. But, you know, w like you said, like it's, I, I was on the path. I was doing what, what my grandparents wanted me to do. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so, but it, but my body was telling me like, hey, this isn't working for you anymore. And I'm going to try to get your attention. Mm. And, and when the body, the body tries to get our attention in many different ways. And most times it's, it's very subtle, but it gets to the point where, you know, it, it just, we just can't do it anymore that our bodies up it you know they take it up to the level where we'll finally be able to hear what's going on and most of the times it's something super intense and this is where people get sick and they have chronic illnesses and you know a lot of people who have digestive issues it's because of the stress it's because of them constantly being uh, you know having their radar on trying to see what threat is coming at them next and it messes with their digestive system. And, you know, I could go into the science of it, of like the nervous system and the vagus nerve and everything. Um, but I won't go that deep, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's, that's what happens is we are, our bodies are, they've been telling us, you know, if we're talking about the digestive system, if you're not having regular bowel movements, that's a sign from your body. Right. Hey, this isn't normal. We need to change something. Yes. If you start having issues, like I was having serious digestive issues where I was doubled over in pain Jeez. and felt like I had an ulcer in my stomach and got an endoscopy. They couldn't find anything wrong with me. Wow. And, um, and I just like, I couldn't figure out what it was, but it was my body telling me like, this isn't working for you. You are not 
you're you're not even doing a good job of surviving right now, <laughs> let alone thriving. Okay. <laughs> right, and it's fascinating what you say because it's so true. Where our bodies are constantly sending us messages and signals, yet because we're not aware of it, we that we don't we don't feel it, mm-hmm. and we don't even understand that there's something wrong that might be happening yeah and a second point too is that we try to take all of these you know different medications and things Mm -hmm. over-the-counter supplements to combat it right combat these systems and at the end of the day we don't have gastric issues because we don't have enough peptabismol in our diet Mm -hmm. or because we don't have (laughs) enough uh you know peptid AC or whatever, you know, I'm out the loop. So I don't know what the new hot, you know, heartburn (laughs) and, and different medications are, but it's like, I I make up that we've been conditioned to try to cover up whatever symptom that we have, which by the time we actually realize it are major, major symptoms. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we were in touch with our body in the way that you're describing it, Mm -hmm. and we had that level of awareness, well, then we could easily pivot and make a change that is going to allow us to thrive. Yep. Right? And that's that's all the body wants from us. It just wants us to be present with the messages that it's giving us. And the body has so much to tell you of how you can work with it. I love that. Would you mind sharing a couple of different ways that myself and the listeners can better listen to our bodies? Hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So something that's really good is first thing in the morning, you know, when you're just right when you wake up and you're sitting in bed before you run and do anything, before you check your phone, just sit there and take a few breaths with your body and just Bring your awareness to any sensations that you might be feeling. You know, it might be a rumble in your tummy because you're hungry or something. You know, just really bring your awareness, your focus to that rumble and just get curious about it. Explore it. Where exactly is that rumble located? What does it feel like? What do I notice happen in my body or what comes up for me as I spend time with that rumble in my belly? Mm -hmm. And just doing that for like five minutes in the morning is going to help you build this practice of relating with your body. Something too that I did, um, I started doing when, when I was in that bout of depression, which I don't really like labeling these things because I think we all weave in and out of high and low states, depending on what's happening internally and externally. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I was in that low space, I, when I took a shower, I would touch every single part of my body and I would sit with it for a moment and say, thank you. I love you. Wow. 
Yeah. And it's, we don't do that. No, (laughs) not at all. I feel like that, that would be a, that's a powerful gratitude practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because our bodies do so much for, I mean, even just walking, the amount that our body does, the amount of functions our body does to help us move to walk is incredible. And we don't ever take the time to say, hey, thank you for helping me walk to the kitchen. <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. And something that's coming up for me as you explain this is, one, our body is such a gift Mm-hmm. Yet we we rarely give it the appreciation it truly deserves. Yeah. And in my line of work, and especially very early on when I was doing a lot more sports performance training and personal training, a lot of my clients were coming to me not because they love their body, but because of the absolute and in some cases like hate of their body. And yep. thinking that it's not worthy and it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. And I can see how such a disconnection can happen mm-hmm. when we're not thinking and not even just thinking, but actively acknowledging how much our body does for us yeah. day in and day out. Absolutely. Well, and we're just not taught that. We're actually right. taught to ignore our bodies sensations and the signals from our bodies you know like when you're younger and you're hungry and your parents are like no it's not time to eat yet that's that's like the you know one of the earliest examples of you being taught not to trust your body and it's um it's this it's something again something I could get deep into but like capitalism does not want us to be in relationship with our bodies Mm -hmm. because if we were we wouldn't be feeding all of these industries that are feeding capitalism yes wow if if we were in tune with our bodies we would all be coming back to the earth we would all be growing our own food we'd be in relationship with each other with the plants with the animals in a whole different way absolutely absolutely What's coming up for me is how much capitalism has people externalize and think about all the things that they quote unquote need in -hmm. order to be worthy, whether it's this piece of clothing, it's this car, it's this house, it's this weight number, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Or, hey, if you don't feel well, it's like, hey, eat this comforting food Mm -hmm. or, hey, it's a celebration. We're celebrating a birthday eat this same shitty food you know what I'm saying, <laughs> that you use to try to comfort yourself but we'll use it for celebration now yeah and yeah that's such a great point of how capitalism really does not want us really acknowledging and coming back to our own bodies for our own needs yeah and it's we're really trained to go outside of ourselves. And that's actually something that, um, like I was mentioning to you earlier, that I feel really passionate about in terms of co-regulation. So co-regulation basically is when you, um, maybe your nervous system is a little uh, tender, like maybe you're 
a little anxious or something, but you're in the physical company of another person whose nervous system is a little more at ease. What happens is your nervous systems naturally begin to support each other and sync up. And so you find yourself moving out of that place of anxiety and into more of a place of ease. And, you know, it's, while co-regulation is great, and I, I don't I don't at all think that we as human beings were meant to be completely independent. I think we're meant to be interdependent. Um, what there has there has been a lack around co-regulation within yourself, like not looking outside of yourself for something to nourish you. You know, like when we were talking about the um, the inner child earlier, you know, my um, my inner my child. Like when I was younger, I was taught that, and we all are. Like you know, your your parents give you, and this is part of the normal um, growth process of like you move from depending on your parents to to nourish you, to support you, and then what's supposed to happen is you're supposed to move into this place of finding more of an independence that typically doesn't happen as much anymore. Um, especially with capitalism because we're taught that, okay, maybe we're not getting that support from our parents anymore, but we're getting it from this TV show or we're getting it from that friend or we're getting it from this food. Or, you know, that's what we're taught as a way, as a form to nourish ourselves. And so I've really been focusing on and exploring what it's like to just nourish ourselves by ourselves. And I think that's what the pandemic has created a beautiful pathway for us to do is just really spend time with ourselves and say, okay, like I'm feeling, um, you know, the other day I was feeling really vulnerable and I just kind of, my initial thought was, I want somebody to vent to. I want somebody to participate in this experience with me and I want them to make me feel better. And I said, hold on a minute. Let's explore ways that I can do that for myself. And I just took a couple of moments, sat with myself, and something that is super helpful and supportive for me is sitting in the shower. Mm. And so I went and I sat in the shower and I had a really, really beautiful moment where I was able to relate to the water in a way where I could see the water, like not just as something that we drink or that washes us or or anything like that, but I was able to see how the water was supporting me and was, um, was with me in my experience. The water was sharing my experience with me and it was making me feel better. And it was actually supporting me in being able to find ways to nourish myself and not go outside of myself to different people or to a TV show or to food or something. Wow. That's so profound. One, one of the yeah. things that comes up for me when you explain 
how to essentially take care of our own needs by going within first is this concept of ownership Mm -hmm. and understanding that it is up to me to create the reality that I'm living in. So whether that is ownership in the sense of, okay, this is where I'm at right now. How did I get myself to this place? And it's also, okay, this is where I am. I don't currently want to be here. What can I do to, to shift, to, to shift my, my mindset, to shift my emotions, to shift how I am physically, like whatever it may be at any given time, understanding that it's up to me Mm -hmm. and it's not going to require television or, you know, splurging on a new purchase or, you know, having, having a conversation with somebody who's going to agree with everything that I say. Right, right. right. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's really up to me to create that shift. And what you're saying makes so much sense. And I think if, more of us truly embody that Mm -hmm. no pun intended (laughs) then we can really shift how we experience life and especially how we experience ourselves absolutely i couldn't agree with you more it's really taking responsibility for ourselves and our emotions and our experiences you know just because you said something that made me upset or sad or something doesn't mean that it's your responsibility to make me feel better that's my responsibility because only I know what I need to make myself feel better. And, um, there's, there's actually something in addition to that, taking responsibility that I thought that really, again, blew my mind wide open. I'm reading this book called Anamkara and, um, he talks about will and I, I had just been sitting at my altar. I have a pretty deep spiritual practice. And so I was sitting at my altar probably a couple of nights before that asking for support around my will to do certain things. And then I, um, I'm reading this book, and he talks about how when we try to do things with will, when we try to really bring will into the picture, we're actually coming out of ourselves and we're really, um, we're really, yeah, we're really making ourselves kind of the subject or I'm sorry, making ourselves the object. Okay. And, um, if instead we can focus on being mindful, then we're, we are one with ourselves. We're in our bodies. We're really practicing taking care of ourselves and being in relationship with the many different facets of our bodies, of our, you know, our soul, all of it. And I just thought that that was so striking because, um, it, it, it does, I do have a hard time with will when I say like, oh, I'm going to will myself to do this Mm. versus when I bring it to mindfulness and I just, again, like pause and take a moment with myself and say, hmm, do I really want 
to eat that piece of cake, <laughs> for example. <laughs> right. Like, is how is that piece of cake going to impact my body? And is that going to make me feel nourished or fulfilled? If I take that pause and think about it and I'm mindful, then it completely shifts my experience versus will makes me feel like I'm taking all of these all of these things that society has projected onto me of like you need to do this to be successful you need to do this to be healthy all of these different things then I feel like I'm feeding into that when I say okay I'm going I'm going to get my will to do this so yeah just wanted to bring that in there too I think that was super super helpful because when you say that it really reminds me of this idea of power versus force and when it's said in such a way where it's like okay i'm gonna will myself to this yeah it's coming from this lower vibration of force like Mm -hmm. almost like okay i'm gonna force myself to do this thing or i'm gonna force myself to not do this thing Mm -hmm. whereas on the other side power has such a higher vibration to it and when you take that time to be mindful and say like hey like is this piece of cake truly going to serve me and my goals yeah and and then just in that moment it it gives the person power Mm -hmm. to like really decide and and see from a clear space okay now this doesn't serve me i'm not gonna do it Mm -hmm. And, and it it breeds so much more confidence and so much more assuredness from doing that so i'm really happy that you brought that up and and that you laid that distinction for us because i think that's very valuable thank you and I wanted to dive a little deeper Mm -hmm. into this idea of the inner child and how we can support him or her. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like? And when, in your experience, what has that brought about in your evolution and how you show up in life? Mm, Yeah. Well, hmm. it's, um, it's really interesting. I, I do have to say that when I first came across this idea of reparenting my inner child, I started reflecting on my experiences as a child and you know some of the patterns that have come based on the way that I grew up. And I started feeling a lot of resentment, honestly. Um, for my childhood and for my situation and towards my parents and my family. And um, so it took, a, it took a lot of time to really move out of that and come to a place of having a lot of compassion for my family and knowing that my parents, not just knowing in my head, but having an embodied knowing that my parents did the absolute best they could under the circumstances that they were given. Yes. And so that was that was a big shift for me to be able to like come to a healthy way of being able to relate with my inner child and reparent because if I'm coming at it from a I'm going to do better than my parents did place then that's not going to serve me at all. So, yeah, so I, so that is one significant piece, but, um, 
what I've started to do is I notice when um, I notice when I'm I'm experiencing some kind of more childlike symptoms, you know, like when I'm feeling like I want to throw a tantrum or when I'm, I'm just, um, yeah, I'm just feel, I just feel like, wow, this feels like a young part of me. Um, and I, uh, so I, I just kind of began to tune into those different pieces and started instead of saying instead of pushing it away of like oh I'm not going to throw this tantrum right now or I'm not going to let myself um, feel this sadness right now a lot of times it was a it was kind of like abandonment things you know why isn't this person giving me attention right now why aren't they caring for me the way that I want them to right now Um, or it would be a lot of fear and anxiety of, of like, oh, I don't want to do that thing because I feel super vulnerable. I don't want them to like really see me or judge me or anything like that. Those were the kinds of signs that I saw. I was like, oh, this is little Mona. Um, and so I would actually just take a moment and sit with her and just ask her. And I think this is something you could do internally or externally. Um, mm-hmm. And just ask her, like, hey, what are you needing right now? And sometimes she just needed to express her emotions and needed to be heard. So sometimes I would just, like, start writing in my journal, like, five-year-old little Mona, and just write, 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 write all these things that I was feeling that I wanted to say, that I wanted to be heard saying, or I would say them out loud and just be with that and just spend time and then say, okay, um, is there anything I can do for you? And I would see if there was anything that felt like I needed to do. And um, I know I shared with you earlier, there was one day where I did this and little Mona, she wanted to like take the reins that day. She wanted it to be her day. And I actually pretended like I was holding the hand of my inner child and walked through the woods. She wanted to go into the woods. So we went into the woods that day and we were playing around and like jumping on um, the trees and stuff like that, you know, like really just calling in and tuning into that child within me and letting her be a part of the experience and um it's really gosh it's it's such a great a great outlet like it's just you know a lot of times when we were kids and we wanted to throw a tantrum our parents were like no this is not the time for that (laughs) or you know we if we had a feeling or something like we were told that we couldn't feel that then or something you know and again no shame on our parents they were doing the absolute best they could considering their circumstances and at the same time that's still in there you know and it still participates 
in a lot of our relationships. Mm. So, yeah, so that's kind of just like how I started doing it. I also, the other part of it, like, yes, you need to give the inner child their space to express themselves. Of course, making sure that it's a safe space. So, you know, not running through the streets, throwing tantrums and like throwing food at random people on the streets. Nah, really. <laughs> but, but like, you know, in, in your home, in a safe space, maybe even with your therapist, um, allowing that inner child to come out. <clears throat> but the other piece of it too is making sure that you're doing everything you can to make sure that that ch- inner child feels safe, feels like mm-hmm. you can take care of them. So that means that you have to take exceptional care of yourself yes so that means like really you really gotta step it up that your inner child this is one thing that I've learned from my inner child is she needs evidence that I can take care of her Mm. she doesn't just want to hear hey I can take care of you she needs me to show up and act in a way where she feels taken care of I love that. I love that. And this whole exploration of the inner child, to me, sounds like an incredible example of full self-expression. I I feel like that inner child that you're speaking of is a very prevalent part of every single person's life. Yet for most people, it's something that they they shut down or they don't even allow to express themselves. Yeah, why would they? They've been taught not to. Right, right, right. And I think that that leads to like this broader point of like, man, I would love everyone listening to really check in and see how much of the way that you show up is based off of things that you were conditioned to do Mm -hmm. or conditioned to think. Mm -hmm. Yet understanding that, well, maybe there's something else that's more effective. Or maybe there's something out there that would better complete the puzzle or round me out as a human being. Because so much of how a person shows up is based off of their conditioning Mm -hmm. their whole life. Yeah, their conditioning and any traumas, you know. There's a lot of ways that we act, especially in relationships and especially in relationships with ourselves, Mm. that is rooted in trauma. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially when you talk about, you know, the somatic approach and understanding how much trauma stays in the body mm-hmm. for, for such a long time, um, especially when it's not it's not paid attention to exactly. or it's never been worked with or spoken about or, you know, hasn't been worked on actively. Exactly. And that's and that's it. Like that is what somatic therapy is, is that by entering through the body you get to go into the places where the body feels safe where the body feels like okay yes maybe i've experienced trauma maybe it's been significant trauma but this space feels safe to me we can enter here and what usually happens is just by bringing your awareness there and exploring the different sensations and the different relationships within your body, you're able to have a sense of release. Mm. 
and relief. And it's not necessarily that this is something that's super important when it comes to my work is it's not that you're you need to understand why, what, how, when, where, you know, because we don't need to attach to more stories. We already we're already attached to enough uh, stories. For sure. <laughs> yes. It's just a matter of being present with the sensations. And that's all the body wants. It doesn't want you to create anything with it. It just wants you to be present. And when you can be present, you'll experience the sense of relief. Mm. Always comes back to presence. Yes. I love that. I love that. Mana, this was incredible. And to hear your story and to just experience the amount of growth that you've had you know throughout your journey it's so inspiring to me and i know that all of the listeners here have gotten so much from you where can the listeners find you online so you can find me on instagram at awaken.w.intent and all of the things for all of the different ways of connecting um, are through the link in my bio and, um, yeah. And I've, I've got like tons of new things coming. So excited to share that at some point. And yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Alvi. It's been such a pleasure. I really just love Gosh, there are so many pieces that I'm like, can we deep dive into? This? Oh, we're, we're gonna. It's funny. It's like as you were talking, I'm like, damn. Like Mona needs her. Mona needs to have her own podcast. Go <laughs> deep. And I don't know if that's one of your projects that you have coming up, but your story is incredible. And within your story, it's like each chapter has so much to dive into. That that that's the healing journey, though, right? Like sure. like you said, the last seven years feel like 70 and you know the first 25 felt like they went in a breeze so nice yeah i feel you uh, that's amazing and we'll definitely have a part two uh in the very near future that's for sure awesome thank you so so much for having me and thank you for bringing this really beautiful mes- medicine to so many people i know that i know that your listeners need it and i know so many other people who do as well uh mona likewise and and thank you so much because i believe that it's people like us who are really going to change this world and it starts with ourselves so i'm so happy that we're both doing the work personally and then creating the space to have others do it as well Mm-hmm. snapping my fingers yes ah, <laughs> it's been a pleasure you're the best enjoy the rest of your day the rest of your year and i can't wait to see everything that you cook up in the near future you too dear thank you Uh, my pleasure